What is going on? Happy Friday. It's another edition of Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Trance, who also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Special show for us today, Drance. We're uh, we're stretching our wings a little bit. So we'll do one hour of our, uh, our normal shtick here on Canucks Talk. And yes, I'm aware that, you know, for a couple of weeks we were doing a two-hour show called Canucks Hour. Then we changed the name. Now, just for today, we're back to only doing an hour. So <laughs> we're doing an hour of Canucks talk today, as normal. Uh, of course, getting you set up for the final preseason game tonight, Canucks versus the Coyotes at Rogers Arena. And the start of the NHL regular season. Yes, that's true. Over in moment, so, What, noon here, is it? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Who knows? But anyways, yes, the start of the NHL regular season. That's a very good point in Europe. Uh, and then at noon here... We will transition and do a little local preview for the Jays and the Mariners. Sounds so, like it's any minute. It's like an 11 a.m. All right. So. Okay. So momentarily, yeah. uh, the NHL regular season will be underway here. So yeah, one hour of Canucks talk. Then at noon, we're going to do a little local preview tee up uh, for the big Jays and Mariners. Fun sports day, fun sports weekend ahead, no doubt about it. But we will start, of course, <laughs> by the time the Canucks play their first pre- or their last preseason yeah. game today, there is a possibility that they are already trailing the San Jose Sharks <laughs> in the Pacific. My goodness. Typical negative trance. <laughs> They've already dug themselves a hole. <laughs> How did they let this happen? I thought they were going to get off to a good start this year. Yeah, so much for that. So much for that. No, uh, the Sharks are probably going to lose anyway. <laughs> There you go. Who are we kidding? Uh, Anyways, yeah. So, final, as you heard, final preseason game for the Canucks. uh, Rogers Arena tonight against the Arizona Coyotes. And you made the excellent point yesterday in the show, Drancer, that, yeah, typically this is an all-NHL dress rehearsal game for uh, for every NHL team. Hard to tell in the case of the Coyotes as they do everything they possibly can uh, to tank for Connor Bedard this year. 7 p.m. puck drop. 6 o'clock pregame coverage begins here on 6.50 with Reach and Sat. And, of course, Batch and Randy Janda. We'll have the call for you. Have you seen the Sharks roster, by the way? The Sharks roster? The I mean, yeah. San Jose Sharks have must they lead the league in like absolute guys. <laughs> Just like guys through the roof. Um, I bet you I I wonder if I could pick three guys yes. off the Sharks roster and ask you, are they a reliever in the playoffs? <laughs> or on the Sharks roster, like Jeffrey Veal. Yeah. Noah Gregor. No, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> legitimately, I feel like I could stump even hardcore baseball fans and and professional hockey analysts with is this guy a reliever in the playoffs yeah. or a player or on is the he like roster? the Rays' seventh guy out of the bullpen, <laughs> their mop up guy yeah. in low leverage situation. Hundred percent. You know, like yeah. the, that's that's the Sharks roster. They're going to be worse than Anaheim this year. That's oh, my... I don't think I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, because Anaheim Anaheim actually went out and tried to improve a little bit this year, right? Yeah. With with Klingberg and Strom, and I don't know if those are home run moves for them, but they're at least the kind of thing that shore up your team. San Jose, I think, yeah, it it could get a little dark uh, there in San Jose, darker than it already is with the contract situation. Yeah, I mean, is that a is that a not a hot take? They're not even listed in terms of over unders. I don't think that's a hot take. It's probably because they play. 
But yeah, like I don't know if it's the absolute consensus that they're going to be worse, but I don't think it's controversial. I think they're probably really close in most people's minds. Yeah, you know what I mean? But I think Anaheim's like decidedly yeah, better. Fair enough. Yeah. The, at least I'm going to want to watch Anaheim play. The Sharks, sure. the Sharks yes. are going to be no a doubt slog. About that. You know, I'm going to watch like five games just so that I have Noah Gregor takes. I'm serious. I actually like Noah Gregor a lot. <laughs> but but that's about it, you know? The um Good, the sharks. The sharks have one of the most just kind of depressing future, mid and long term outlooks in the NHL. Um, yeah, but all it takes is one guy to change that. All it takes is one lottery bounce, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, you know, Eklund yeah. and Bedard, and but, oh. but you're still hoping for that, right? It, totally. And, but and there's, there's a lot of other teams that can no, say that, five, but also have better things going on for sure. But there's five guys. There's five guys at the top of this draft that you're going to be like, wow, they have Jaeger and. Eklund, mm. you know, Eklund's going to be good really quickly. I mean, I don't know. I, I it's 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 dark, but it's only dark for a couple of years, I think, for San Jose, and then they're going to be interesting. Uh, anyways, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll do more sharks uh, talk. Yeah, sharks talk here on Sports previewing the NHL's debut. We'll do more. Uh, we'll do more Pacific Division talk probably next week when we're really getting geared up for the beginning of the regular season, and we're back to two hours. But yeah, we're here. We are here. We're at the Line final preseason game. Yes, finally, finally, we did it. The wow. last preseason game. Not I know yet. you're sad. I love the preseason. I know you do. Preseason's great. And, you know, I mean, I, I was thinking about um, a guy bought, a, well, the guy who bought me the beer and said, man, I got to see M- McDavid go end to end twice and Elias Pettersson score twice from his spot on the power play. And my family paid 200 bucks for the tickets, you know, for, for all of us. He's like, this is the best night of hockey we've had in a long time. That's what the preseason's all about, right? You get a, you get a show. And look, I think the, lots of these games have been fun especially that one last week, but like more of them than that. The Canucks comeback that fell short against Calgary mm-hmm. was fun. You know, there's been fun things. The Kuzmenko game, I think it was the, the first the, one the, against the Kraken. The Kraken, yeah. yeah. And then they one. came back. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's hockey and I love watching it. So I'm like, yeah, cool. I like to see these guys who I won't see again for seven months play. Like, it's great. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. I will say the preseason could be a game shorter, and yes. this would be the game you'd want to lose. Very much so. Right? Like, be. this would be the game you'd want to lose. Clayton Keller's return, I guess, is going to be the big story on the Coyotes' side. But, you know, as I was joking about earlier this week, right, the Coyotes, with other teams, it's like, well, they're dressing an NHL-quality lineup. It's like, nope, this is just, yeah, the, Coyotes. just the Coyotes. Yeah, that's just how so, they're going to line up this year. But, you know, that's good. That sets up nicely. Like, you win that game against Edmonton. You know, you win tonight. You feel good about yourselves over Thanksgiving weekend, and you go into next season or next week, you know, sort of geared up because that opener sort of exists on an island, almost unconnected to the rest of their road trip. It's like Wednesday, and they don't play again until Saturday. You get some time to adjust to the East Coast. And then, you know, you're going to play four and seven, uh, four and six, basically, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, it's going to be a, a gauntlet. You're going to go into Edmonton against the, you know, Pacific Division winner, basically, last year. Uh, they didn't win in the regular season, but they were the last team standing in the Pacific in the playoffs. And no one's going to believe that the Canucks can beat that Oilers team, right? Everyone's legitimately, they're going to be like, what, uh, plus 180 to win? Something like that, probably. Plus 170. Um, And you win that, if you can win that game, which you absolutely can win that game. You can always win one game. Oh, yeah. You know, you you have Thatcher Demko. (laughs) Come on. Um, You're going to be poised to have a really fun start to the season, right? So, you know, 
it's going to be fun. Like, it's going to be a fun week of Canucks talk. They're only going to play once between now and, and, and when we're doing the show. Yeah. So, right. So we're going to be dragging the puck a lot. <laughs> but, but you know, there's a real opportunity, I think, for this team on this road trip. I think there's significant downside, too. But I also think the, the, the opportunity that awaits them, and if they can get started on a good note in Edmonton, I feel like this, you know, schedule, having this preseason game, a weekend of practice, like this really does line up nicely for this team to get off to the start that they want, particularly with where we were at earlier in this week, where there was a fair bit of hand-wringing about, you know, a variety of things, including their defensive play, a concern that I still have. But, you know, at the end of the day, you start well enough. Yeah. Build yourself that cushion. You know, you can play 500 hockey and make the playoffs. Yeah, as much as there might have been some internal hope that they wouldn't go through any of that hand-wringing and, you know, all of the talk about starting off right and the habits and the work ethic and all that would manifest on ice in the preseason – you also you can erase that immediately if you win your first you know your first two games of the year right and it's like oh wow okay and you play well and you show those habits nobody's going to care about the preseason if you do that so you you have a chance for a complete clean slate with the start of the regular season uh, the Canucks just finished their game day skate at Rogers Arena Bruce Bru- Bruce Boudreaux is talking to the media right now it looks like uh, and we'll get you his full audio at some point but he also has uh, at least one interesting player health update. Uh, Drancer, which is that Tyler Myers is out two to four weeks. So we saw he was not on the ice yesterday uh, at practice, not on the ice for game day skate. And there is your update from Bruce Boudreaux. Tyler Myers out two to four weeks. So this makes a huge difference in, in for this team in particular because of the cap sort of machinations here. So two to four weeks, that would bring us to either the 21st of October or the 4th or sorry, the uh, or the 4th of November. That's yeah. the timeline here that we're looking at a Tyler Myers return. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Canucks play their last game in November on the 29th. October. I'm just going to bring up yeah, the schedule It's here. October 29th. They play sure. somebody, and then they don't play again until November. And so... Yeah, they actually play... They play Pittsburgh on the 28th, 28th of October, okay. and then they and don't then, play again until November. Right, so that's yeah. three weeks. That would be the middle of the timeline. If you if you miss that Pittsburgh game, if you're out through that Pittsburgh game, you can go on LTI. That would free up a ton. It would make things significantly easier. Then the Canucks don't have to wave anybody. Like yeah. literally, if you if you're if you're putting him and Furland and maybe Dermot on LTI, you know, then you're looking at 11 million in LTI space. All of a sudden, you can do some things over the weekend. You know what I mean? You can add a player and figure it out later. Yeah, you can do a ton of different things. Uh, for this team if he's going to miss three weeks. So, you know, two to four is an interesting number, an interesting range. Um, on the on the short end of that, you know, things are going to be really complicated for this team. On the far end of that, things are going to be, uh, you know, flexible, like they're going to have fle- a, the, the, a type of flexibility that might allow them to look long and hard at claiming uh, Samarokov, mm-hmm. who was mm-hmm. just waived by the Edmonton Oilers, or, or another you know, 23-24 de- defense- defender who does some things they might like. So this is really big news, and, and their understanding of it, which is obviously deeper than two to four weeks, is likely to prove decisive in shaping Vancouver's moves over the course of this week. Yeah, that's a bi- it's a big news, and look, obviously as much as it could give them some flexibility, right? That's still very much a silver lining to uh, <laughs> what is a tough, bro- tough blow 
for the team because say what you say whatever you want about Tyler Myers and his play and his contract status he was going to be this team's third most used defenseman right and I know they have OEL and Pullman lining up now together but that probably would have been Myers spot alongside OEL and they played really well together last year so it's going to present some on ice challenges but as you say that comes along with maybe a little bit of extra roster flexibility maybe even the opportunity to add somebody here uh, as a lot of players start to hit waivers in the next couple well, and here's uh, the Canucks have Justin Dowling on waivers so today, Justin Dowling has been waived, which means he's been cleared to be waived, right? So that's yeah. a huge bit of news, too, because that's 750k now no longer tied up in sort of an IR slot or, or you know, injured non-roster or however they were going to account for it. Um, so we have a much better sense now of Vancouver's flexibility, even though uncertainty sort of lingers on exactly what they'll gain with Myers, um, you know, with Myers' very sort of a lengthy timeline. Uh, but, you know, I would assume now that Vancouver has real flexibility looking at things. Um, the Myers news is fascinating, too, because as Rick and I reported at The Athletic today, and you can go read our piece, what we're hearing about the Canucks' plans' final um, cuts approach, you know, as the injuries mounted – there was a real sense in asking around yesterday that the club may find itself or find the situation to be too complicated to really add a body yeah. um, to to do to be as aggressive as they probably would have liked to be over the course of this last weekend. The Myers update, though, Myers' timeline, and in the event that Myers' sort of actual prognosis is toward the back end of that timeline, uh, would give them some ability to at least take a lengthy look at a guy over the course of the month of October. You'd think they'd you'd think they'd want to do so, especially given the state of their defensive depth yeah. now. Well, and how much we've heard consistently that that's a priority if they can do it. If they can, if it's possible, but something they would like to do, right? And if you can do it, if all of a sudden now you have the extra flexibility. It seems like a bit of a no-brainer to at least get a look at somebody. I should also update, uh, courtesy of uh, uh, of your colleague Harmon Dial at The Athletic, it's specifically a lower body injury uh, per, per Bruce Boudreaux for Tyler Myers that's going to keep him out. Yeah, he had that play weeks. where he sort of fell in uh, Abbotsford, and it looked awkward at the time. I didn't really notice uh, whether he came back or not. Um, but, you know, thinking back to that, I should have been a little bit more like, oh, man, that looks mm -hmm. bad. Because I just noted, I noted it, but... You know, uh, anyway, Myers, two to four weeks. That's gonna that's gonna give Pullman a lengthy look in the top four. Am I wrong, or was there a time where we only did the lower body, upper body thing in the playoffs, and now it's just all year? Um, I mean, or am I just imagining that? No, it, upper and lower is all year owed as yeah. media. Like as far as I'm concerned, uh, always teams sometimes give more detail. Realistically, this is on the NHL to revise. The level of clarity that we have about football injuries with the injury reports, the level of clarity we have in the NBA, it really does impact, you know, a variety of items from fantasy sports to gambling. Like a lot of those sort of backdoor paths toward fandom of a sport are inhibited by the league's ridiculous insistence on, you know, a, a, a purposely obscure injury reporting standard. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Realistically, I, just, I don't care that much. I, I just think it's stupid. I don't even care. It's just I I have this, again, maybe I'm just completely imagining it, but I remember as a kid, it would be like, oh, it's the playoffs now, so all you're going to hear is upper body, and now it's just it's the last day of preseason. It's like, oh, it's a lower body. Hush, 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 I, hush. I care. I just think it's stupid that you're not required to have basic lineup disclosures when you're an entertainment product. Like, if a fan's making a decision whether or not to buy a ticket to a game, 
you know, to see a specific player because fans do go to see players in particular. Like, why not have clarity out there? You know, people aren't even required to disclose their starters. So it's like, you, if you want to go and spend a bunch of money to take your family out, like, yeah. obviously you want to see your home team win and you can't even, you don't, some games you don't even know who's going to start for your team until 5 p.m. or whatever. Like, it's just silly. It doesn't make sense that teams don't don't disclose their lineup for the benefit of consumers. Uh, it, you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, look, I'm not worked up about it. I don't have a moral. <laughs> I don't have a moral revulsion to it or anything. I just think it's not how any league that really thrives does it. Uh, the other element with the Tyler Myers injury, obviously, there's there's capital implica- implications. There's obviously the on ice from what they're missing, but there's the roster implication as well. Of we pretty much know who's going to be uh, the defense, or at least I think we do. But there is a little bit of mystery on that front as well. We'll see uh, if Bruce Boudreaux has anything else to say. Here's how they lined up. Uh, it was the same as what they practiced yesterday at UBC. It was Hughes and Shen on the top pair, OEL and Poolman, Jack Rathbone, and Kyle Burrows. Assuming all of those players are healthy, that seems like a very, very safe bet for how they'll line up on Wednesday in Edmonton. But now we weren't at the morning skate today. We're here at the uh, at the 650 studio, the Kintec studio. Uh, Batch was saying that when they ran through their power play units, Hughes was not involved in either of them. OEL took his spot. Uh, on the first power play unit, Christian Wolanin and Jack Rathbone were getting some work with the second unit. Uh, Batch also said Bruce Boudreau was having a long chat with Quinn Hughes at center ice while that was going on. And then I saw other reports that Quinn Hughes is one of the first players off the ice. Now, that could be as something as simple as, look, you're Quinn Hughes. You're playing great. You don't need to get this last warm-up in. You can sit for tonight. But having said that, it was a little surprising to me that then he would have been skating with Luke Shen earlier in the practice. So I don't know exactly what's going on there. It could be very, very innocuous, could be nothing to worry about, uh, but we will wait to see what uh, Bruce Boudreaux has to say about Quinn Hughes when we get the rest of his audio in. Uh, But again, having said that, you know, it, it certainly seems like we know we have a very, very good sense of who the six defensemen are going to be. Um, I was reading your piece uh, up with Rick Dollywell at The Athletic this morning, Drancer, about what you're hearing in terms of roster decisions and w- w- which way the uh, the management and the coaching staff are leading, leaning for the Canucks here in the final few days before the regular season. And one of the things that really stood out to me, and this is something we've noticed, you know, just by seeing the opportunities they've been given and hearing the coach talk about them from time to time, but it seems like they're even more impressed and higher on both Linus Carlson and Niels Amon than maybe we had really clued into. And with Niels Amon, I'm not particularly surprised. I am a little bit surprised with Linus Carlson. And, you know, he's going to be skating tonight with Elias Pettersson and Andre Kuzmenko, another really good opportunity. I don't think he's going to make the team, and we talked about it yesterday, but... He's got a huge opportunity, right? And I I think the fact that they are giving him this last chance really, really speaks to how impressed they've been with him. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even think this is giving him another opportunity. I think he's the front runner to be there opening night, fourth line center at this point. Well, sorry, that's Amon. I was talking about Carlson at the end. Oh, Carlson, I think, is getting sent down. Yeah. But... But it's impressive to me that even in this last game, it's like, okay, but you can still skate with Elias Pettersson or Andre Kuzmenko. Like, it seems yeah. like the door is open a crack, well, which surprises me. The, and and they'll insist to you, and, and Canuck sources insist to you, that they haven't made their final decision. Sure. But I think that there are people around Carlson, like his camp, as it were. Uh, you know, I think there's a expectation that he's going to go down. And I, and I think there's a sense from the player 
that that's totally fine. He's going to work his way back up and might be even better for him to go down to Abbotsford. And that sort of speaks to one thing that both Amon and Carlson have stood out to the Canucks for over the course of training camp is, you know, these are pros, right? These are guys who played pro hockey in Sweden. They've come in as like mature, high character guys, and they've caught a lot of attention. They've turned a lot of heads among Canucks hockey operations and the coaching staff for the way that they've carried themselves away from the rink, in addition to the skills that we've seen on the ice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is a nice sort of final opportunity for Linus Carlson, but I, I do think the development the development priority for him is going to result in him going down to, to Abbotsford. I even think there's senior voices in the organization that think that would be best for Niels Oman too. Mm. But I think the organization really thinks Oman can play and really wants him to be given a shot, at least at the outset. Yeah, and I just think it, it's... You know, you're missing two of your your top nine forwards in Mikheyev and Besser. You've got that opening. It doesn't mean you're committing to playing Niels Amon here regularly in that role for the rest of the year. But he's done enough to to give him a shot. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how they would obviously prefer to have Jason Dickinson playing a real role for them. He was an extra at the morning skate today. It was uh, Dakota Joshua, Niels Amon, Curtis Lazar on the fourth line. That's interesting because, you know, Dakota Joshua was an extra yesterday. Maybe there was a little bit of... Uh, of a message being sent there after he didn't step up for Niels Hoaglander in that game on Wednesday against Edmonton, but he's back in the fourth line mix today. So we'll see what that means with Jason Dickinson. I, I, I've, I've been thoroughly impressed with what I've seen from Niels Amon. I think he has absolutely earned the opportunity to start in that role. Wouldn't shock me at all if he ends up going to Abbotsford at some point. That's fine, too. Uh, but I like the idea of rewarding him at least to start the season on that fourth line, although it does put you in a bit of a tricky spot, potentially, with Jason Dickinson as well. It is Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650, abbreviated edition of the show today. But as a reminder, Canucks preseason coverage on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up has never been easier with suits and tuxedos in a modern wide range of colors, styles, and fits. Black and Lee. Com. You can keep your thoughts coming in 650-650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. More on the other side. Uh, hopefully we'll hear from Bruce Boudreaux as well. Uh, get his thoughts on the final game against the Arizona Coyotes tonight. That's up next. It's the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Final segment of the show, only a one-hour edition today. We'll be doing a little baseball talk on the other side. Drance and I uh, really, you know, as I said, stretching our wings. We're we're not just hockey guys. We can talk a little baseball uh, as well. So we'll get into that after noon here on 650, but it is still Canucks Talk right now. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, your Kubota all-star team, avenuemachinery.ca, douglaslakeequipment.com. Mark Texan, is it possible that Carlson, who is certainly AHL-bound, continuing to play Petey's wing, is indicative that one of the true top six injured players is a potential to return for opening night? That's a very interesting question, Mark. And just for the people who haven't seen how they lined up uh, today, it was Pearson Miller-Hoaglander on the top line, Kuzmenko Pedersen-Carlson, Pod Colson-Horvat-Garland, Joshua Amon, and Lazar. And I look at that, and Hoaglander playing with Miller and Pearson, and Carlson playing with Kuzmenko and Pedersen, Pretty natural placeholders for Brock Besser and Ilya Mikheyev, respectfully, right? Really easy to just say, 
Besser, you're healthy. Boom, you're going up back to that top line. Or McKay, if you're healthy, you're going back with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. So certainly a possibility that something could uh, could be afoot, as Mark suggests. Well, and a good possibility in that, look, I want to be very careful. Don't take this to the bank because hockey injuries are super unpredictable. But both of these players are pushing to get back yeah. for game one. Like Both of these players are pushing to not miss any time right now. That doesn't mean they'll get there. That doesn't mean the medical staff will sign off. That doesn't mean they'll be ready. But, you know, I think Besser's trending very well to to be on the aggressive side of his two- to three-week recovery timeline. And I think Mikhaev is, you know, from what I understand, like very much wants to play as quickly as he can, right? Like to the point where if he could be cleared, he'd play tonight. So, you know, I, I Bruce Boudreau said today that both were – come on the road trip uh rick and i reported that you know looking at like that first weekend right like that philadelphia game to me is one that i'm sort of eyeing as a, as a potential return for at least mikhaev mm-hmm. uh besser i have a little less certainty on it uh what i know about besser is that he's doing everything he can to not miss any time at all so yeah i think both those injuries are for sure short-term considerations uh they'll be day-to-days once the season begins and you know, how exactly and when exactly they return is going to be subject to the million variables that all hockey injuries and <laughs> and their recoveries are. And I know uh, Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux had a little bit of an update as well on top of that about both Mikheyev and Besser when he spoke to the media today after the game day skate. Let's hear what else Bruce Boudreaux had to say. Just keep getting better. Keep getting the understanding what we want to do. If the, If there's parts of our game, which there are, that we need to get better, we need to get it better tonight. And uh, it's the last dress rehearsal, so let's uh, let's do what we can to keep moving the trajectory forward, upward. Do you have an update on Myers? Not update? Myers is uh, two to four weeks, lower body injury. I'm going with the second power play, and we saw you have two defensemen for a little bit, also mixed up with one defenseman. What's the difference that you kind of see there on that second unit when you have Jack Rathbone on the right side compared to Niels Huglander? Well, I mean... It's uh, preseason. We're just trying everybody out in different spots and seeing what it works. We got a lot of combinations going for tonight, and uh, that was one of them. Tonight is kind of like another evaluation night from Neil Zalman. I mean, so far so good through the preseason. Is tonight a night where it's just kind of like you want to push him a little bit at this point in the final game? Well, I mean, we want to. You know, I mean, it's been a very small sample, so I mean, uh, we'd like to see him more and more. you know, see if he if he falls down or like I mean, if the pace as preseason keeps going gets higher, whether he stays at, at a good level or whether he drops down a bit. So I mean, it's always good to evaluate uh, new guys that you haven't seen a lot, uh, see them play a little bit more. When you did some power play work out there, Quinn seemed to be an observer. Is he playing tonight? No. Okay. I mean, Miller didn't play last game. Miller's playing tonight. Quinn's not playing tonight. I figure we we know what he can do. <laughs> Through the preseason, you have put an A on PD and Quinn at times, and I know nothing is done without thought at this level. Uh, is that just a nod to their sort of expanding role in the leadership group, and is there an A up for grabs when the, the regular season starts? Well, I mean, no, we got Bo and, uh, um, well, I mean, no, I mean we're going with the same group that we've had. I mean I think they're they're great uh, OEL Miller and, and Horvat, but uh, I wanted to let both PD and, 
and uh, Quinn know that they're right on the cusp of this, and they, they are part of the leadership group, even though they don't wear an A on, on a daily basis. If one of those guys, uh, touch wood, uh, isn't playing through injury or whatever, the, those are guys we're looking at to wear the A that will some someday take the mantle, you know, and, and be those guys. Chris, the one thing you can't manufacture is emotion. In preseason, the veterans are going to play at a certain level. Once that regular season starts, the emotional impact well, it, it's amazing. Like, I mean, you look at it and you go on the, the pace is okay. Like the last game against the Oilers, I thought the pace was really good and the intensity was really good. But uh, they don't realize that once the season starts, it picks up an awful lot. And uh, so we have to try to, as the preseason goes along, we have to pick it up quite a lot. Now, uh, hopefully that's the, the case that, you know, we're getting better tonight and we're picking it up a little bit. And so we're we're ready to meet the push of, of the Oilers on Wednesday. But uh, uh, that's that's the way I, I perceive a training camp. I mean, other guys might perceive it differently, but that's what I want to do is so by the time we play the game and we have three good practices this week that we're emotionally involved and, and we're ready to play. With Myers out too from weeks, is that pretty much established that maybe opens the season on the right side? Um, you know, i got to figure this one out yet. Uh, um, we've got a lot of lefties, um, not a lot of righties, but whatever the combinations are that work, we'll probably use. So uh, there's a good possibility that that might happen, but because he wasn't playing tonight and, and the, the Myers uh, news is, is fairly recent that I haven't really delved into it um, as to who's going to play where come Wednesday night. Yeah, I think if you uh, if you're here at practice Sunday, he'll be probably in a non-contact jersey for a bit, and we're hoping Besser's uh, uh, ready to practice full uh, by the time we practice again. Do you expect them both to go on the trip to start the uh, year? Both of them, I expect them to be on the trip. Bruce Brock kind of ahead of schedule now. I mean, initial timeline would have suggested he might have missed some time at the start. Yeah, of the year. I mean, you know, I guess we're a little bit on the hope thing, but uh, he's been out there skating and handling the puck, and and he's uh, determined to to want to try it. So, you know, we'll see how it works out on Sunday's uh, Sunday's practice. You are a Toronto guy, but yeah. uh, you're now a West Coaster. Do you uh, have an allegiance in this baseball playoff? Of course. <laughs> Canada's team, the Blue Jays. I'm not uh, uh, going for the Mariners. It's uh, Blue Jays all the way. Bruce Boudreau. True Vancouverite. With Bruce either, Boudreau. depending on your perspective, either just cementing the legend or a heel turn from Bruce Boudreau. No, no. <laughs> Look, he's from Toronto. What do you want him to say? He's from Ontario. No, he's he's. Wow, it's like, oh man, Bruce Boudreau, like 75% of the other people that live in this city, prefers the Blue Jays in this series. Wow. I'm sure that's going to make 10 people on Twitter really angry. Oh, dear. I love it. I'm going to start it. being um, in 20 minutes. Yeah, we're, we're getting start. it. <laughs> Save it. Save yeah. it no, no, 20. no, no. In 20 minutes, I'm going to start being a neutral broadcaster. Oh, but for, for, for 20 more minutes, I can be a Jay's Homer. I'm not. I'm going to be a Jay's Homer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to be a Jay's Homer yeah. when it starts. Anyways, that's coming up in 20 minutes. But uh, more Canucks talk here for the next 20 minutes. That was Bruce Boudreaux speaking to the media before tonight's game. Against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, so a few interesting nuggets in there. First of all, Quinn Hughes not playing. 
but just because, as Bruce Boudreaux said, we know what he can do. We don't, we don't need to make Quinn Hughes play this final preseason game. We have a pretty good idea of what he's capable of. So no injury. Don't worry about it. Uh, if you were concerned that, uh, you know, he wasn't on the power plays uh, at practice, you, you do not have to be concerned any longer. Uh, also, further to Besser and Mikheyev, Boudreaux says Besser... He's hoping we'll be ready to be a full participant in practice on Sunday. McKayev should be there in a non-contact. As you said, Drancer, both of them will be a part of the road trip to start the season. So, I mean, it's possible. Certainly, it sounds like Besser may be a little bit closer, but it sounds certainly like it's a possibility that uh, one or both of them could be back for game one. Although, as I said, maybe Besser a little bit closer than McKayev. The other interesting thing, uh, there was the question there, okay, with Myers out now, obviously, a right-handed defenseman that the team was going to be counting on to play big minutes, uh, does Quinn Hughes end up starting on the right side after beginning there at training camp, moving back over to the left-hand side for the bulk of the preseason? And, you know, Boudreaux, he he hedged his answer, right, by saying, look, this is new. I haven't had a really chance to dive into it. I'm going to have to consider all my options. We've got a lot of lefties, not a lot of righties necessarily. Uh, but he also said there's a good possibility that it might happen. I'm a I'm a little surprised by that, and I if even despite hearing that from Boudreaux, I would still very much bet that maybe we don't see that because I just look at how they skated today, right? And you have Hughes and Shen, which now that you have Myers out, you don't have Dermot. I think now more than ever, you want that kind of security blanket of having that one pair that you know, as Boudreaux said, quote for whatever reason, works really well together. So today it was Hughes and Shen, OEL Pullman, Rathbone Burrows. To me, that's the simplest solution. Rather than, okay, switching Hughes over to the right side, well, then who's playing with Pullman on the on the second pair, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I get it. It might be attractive because you, you're losing a right-hand defenseman, but I would just leave it exactly how they had it uh, today before the game at Rogers Arena. For sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you'd leave, sorry, the... How they have it. Hughes, Shen, OEL, Pullman, Rathbone, Burroughs. Yeah, I think that, rather I, than move Hughes over to the right side, it, like and break him up with Shen, and then no, I, you know, like I don't think I don't think they will do that. To no. be totally honest with you, I mean, you know, I guess they like Willannon, right? So if you prefer Willannon to Burroughs, you could go that way. But I, I just think they'll want Burroughs in the lineup over him. So uh, good news for Christian Willannon, though. I mean, sounds like he's <laughs> you know well poised now to make this team, depending on what happens on the waiver wire. Um, you know. The Myers thing again, it's really now the Myers thing throws such a wrench into this because the Canucks consideration set could be completely different if he goes on LTI and there's going to be no way for us to tell that before Tuesday. So that just changes everything in terms of what the Canucks will want to do. I agree with you, though. Hugh Shen, as Boudreaux said after the game in Abbotsford, it just works. It just works. Just works. You got other, oh, you have other questions? You have other injuries on the blue line? Why don't you go with the thing that just works yeah, and try exactly. to figure the rest out? For sure. You know what I mean? Rather than disrupt that, too. I wonder, too. Like I think there's openness, and there was a desire to try Hughes on the right side. I wonder, I wonder how much Bruce just wants Hughes on the left side. You know, mm. I, I feel like he's been the only one tepid about it in terms of his commentary, and he hasn't been that tepid about it. He's he can play any position. He can, yeah. But you know, he's also been like, yeah, we'll see. You know, like uh, we'll see if we keep doing that. Um, that matches, by the way, my perception of it. Right? Like, I think you have to commit to playing Hughes on the right side for a long time before you're gonna rec- like realize the the good returns yeah. from it. Whereas on the left side, he's just gonna be ready to go as one of the best defensemen in hockey and. Why mess with that? And that's kind of always going to be a coach's default position, Especially right? Especially when they don't have an extension. 
You know, yeah. like, oh, you want me to take the long view here? Pay me. <laughs> that's what I'd say. So I, I'm not saying he would. I'm saying that's what I'd say. So it's like, oh, you, you, we don't have very many uh, right-handed defensemen. It's like, who who put the roster yeah, together? That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. It could be an R problem. Pay me. <laughs> I mean, that's just how I would react to it. But, you know, I'm not a team player. Anyway, with, yeah, with, with. The Canucks defense pairs, I think you stick with what you've what you've been lining up with the last few days. I bet you Bruce Boudreaux will. Um, you know, I, I suspect he was just tap dancing. Yeah. You know? I mean, he even said, like, I haven't really thought about it. But I, I just... I, I haven't thought about it because it's so obvious to me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I just... Yeah. The Myers absence, by the way, does hurt. Right? Like... Oh, he's he's they're going to be their third most used defenseman totally of course, that hurts every team yeah regardless of how what oh. your evaluation of that defenseman is that just inherently hurts your team when you lose that player 100 percent. and also you know this club views tucker pullman as a guy with top four upside potentially but i mean i don't know that i've been super impressed with what i've seen to this point in the preseason right I, you know I, look i've never been wildly impressed by tucker pullman i think he's played really good defensively Excuse me. I think he played really well defensively toward the latter half of his games played last season. But, you know, asking him to be a top four defenseman, maybe in a shutdown role with Oliver Ekman Larson, you know, that sounds dicey. Because the the part of the time that he played best last year was in a, a bottom pairing role. Right? right. And I think that's a much more natural fit. And again, to go back to the, you know, okay, with Myers out, go with the thing that just works and Hughes Shen. Well, Oliel and Myers just worked for whatever reason last year, right? And that certainly would have been my preference to line those two up again. I know they they would have liked to do something different with Oliel to try to get him some more offensive opportunities. But again, if you have uh, any, well, look, I'm uh, I would be less, um, you know, locked into them repeating their performance this upcoming season just because it was so good for both of them last year than Hughes and Shen are. But still, you have a certain amount of built-in chemistry there. They proved they could handle the role last season. Now, you're you're taking a real risk. You're, you're really rolling the dice, I think, with OEL and Pullman in that role because when he had to do it, when he had to step up and play with Quinn Hughes and play big minutes, it's a different role. It's a different task they're asking him to do, but it's still big minutes. Uh, it didn't look as as good as it did later in the year for Pullman. So that that one concerns me quite a bit, the OEL-Pullman yeah. pairing. I, I mean, the defense was always going to be the Achilles heel of this team, but now you lose, you know, a guy who at the end of the day, whether you think he's a true top four or not, or whether you think he's a true second pair, uh, you know, a true top pair guy like he's paid as or not, um, you know, Tyler Myers was really good for this team last year, right? It was his best defensive season. A big reason this team became average or better defensively last year, both in terms of the results and their underlying form, was that Myers turned in the best two-way year of his career. Uh, Losing those minutes, losing the stuff that he can do, particularly when defending the neutral zone, where he like quickly turns a puck over and then takes three strides and is already on the rush, right? Like, it's... It's good. Like, that's a big part of this team's ability to attack against the grain, right? Tyler Myers is important to this team. And, you know, being without him for potentially 10 to 11 games, if if he's on a four-week, you know, that's going to be 11 games at least. If it's closer to four weeks for him to recover, um, yeah, I mean, it's not... That's not a straightforward thing, and that further weakens the Canucks in the area where they're weakest, which is always a type of, you know, absence that concerns you more. 
Arden in Vancouver texted, instead of an acquisition, they could slot Rathbone in to the top four with Shen as the second pairing and you use OEL and Hughes on top for a few weeks. That could be a good thing. I don't think they want to put Jack Rathbone in that kind of position, though, and ask him to play those sorts of minutes. And then you're left with what? Like Burroughs Poolman on your bottom pair they're, they're or gonna, and Poolman or something like that. They're going to prefer they're going to prefer Poolman in that role. They're just going to prefer Pullman yeah. as a top four guy, whether it's a stopgap or a long-term thing. I think with Myers out, they there's a very clear kind of tier for them and guys who they think can be top four can play in the top four and guys who they would prefer not to have, right? Correct. And it's OEL, Hughes, Shen, Pullman. In yeah. that clear cut, in their minds, top four. Well, and, the other guys, and, and Shen with sure, Hughes only. Shen only with Hughes. Yeah. Yes, but that's where he's going to play. They're, yeah. they're not going to play him elsewhere than that in the top four. But I mean... You know, Shen and Pullman in your top four for a while. It's not what you want. That's tough. (laughs) It is very, very Very, tough. Very, very tough. This question comes in as well from uh, Saskatchewan Joe. Travis Dermott update. I, I know we we touched on it yesterday uh, on the show, and you I, had more. I got nothing on that. Like yeah. the, the the it is so quiet around Travis Dermott. No one is talking. No one wants to talk. I'm just reading between the lines. Like we haven't seen him on the ice. We haven't heard about him skating. Um, you know, it feels extremely nebulous. I wonder if that one could be a longer term one, uh, particularly because of the dearth of information. I mean, it would be enormously helpful to have him back, particularly because he can shift to play the right side. You know, I I do think the Canucks would look long and hard about at, long and hard at all of Reckman, Larson, Dermott as an option were he to come back at any point, you know, relatively quickly. But I just see no indications of that. And privately anyway, um, you know, the club is particular, the club's always guarded, but they're particularly guarded about injury information. Yeah. Um, Myers, same thing. Like Myers, there was nothing to be gleaned yesterday in, in working the phones. Uh, Dermot likewise. But, you know, I do think the Dermot, um, the the way Dermot's trended in terms of the club's refusal to say much about it or to, you know, the fact that we, as far as we can tell, he hasn't skated yet. I mean, all of that points to something that could be a longer, at least a medium term, but maybe a longer term consideration. Uh, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Final few minutes of the show here. So you also heard Bruce Boudreaux. He was asked about Quinn Hughes wearing an A at different points in this preseason. Elias Patterson going to be wearing an A tonight, it sounds like. Uh, talked a little bit about getting them some experience in leadership and in a leadership capacity with this team. Uh, this text comes in from Ella in Coquitlam. She says, Drance and Dodd, PD has been wearing an A during some preseason games. As Drance said, being a captain, it's also a PR role. Do you see Pedersen eventually becoming a captain of this team? And I mean, look, that depends entirely on what happens, or at least in the in the medium and even long term, that depends entirely on what happens with Bo Horvat, right? Because obviously he signs an extension, boom, he's locked in, he's wearing the C uh, for a long, long time to come. If, if that goes the other way, if he's not a long-term member of this team, obviously they'll have a decision to make. You know, as Boudreaux said, there's not a there's not a spot open to wear a letter. It's going to be Horvat, Miller, and Oliver Ekman-Larsen, which makes sense. Those are the guys that did it last year. Veterans, all of that. I do think one of the storylines that I'm going to be trying to watch and monitor is what can we tell from the outside about that kind of next step in terms of leadership and filling that leadership role that both Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson take, right? Because even if it never results in one of them being a captain or even wearing an A, them stepping up in that role is really important for this team. It's also a dynamics thing. You know, who's the player that comes up the most when captaincy talk around the Canucks is broke? JT Miller. Okay. And so, you know, the decision I think would hinge on this. Like in the in a world where Bo Horvat departs, the, I think the decision hinges on 
do you want a counterweight to JT Miller in the locker room or do you want to empower, you know, his already big presence further, right? That would be the, it would really be a question. (laughs) It would really be a decision based more on that dynamic, I feel, than it would be about the, the individual player. Um, so that that's that's my read on on what comes next in the event that the Canucks do not retain Bo Horvat. Yeah, but as I said, obviously it could be a very a lot moot, of road to run here, an easily moot discussion, yep. right? And I know we're only a few days away, and we haven't heard much on contract negotiations, but this is one where I'm not going to be really like worried or even thinking that there's a possibility he leaves until probably the new year at this point, right? Like that that's when I'll really start to kind of. Uh, get my antenna up to see if it's going in a certain direction. Uh, 650, 650, again, is the Dunbar Lumbar text line. Final few minutes uh, to get your questions in ahead of the final preseason game for the Canucks tonight at Arizona, or sorry, not at Arizona, at Rogers Arena against the Arizona uh, Coyotes. This, I mean, maybe this is a silly question, and it's the reason why I'm bringing it up towards the very end of the show here, Drancer, because it is preseason, so the answer should be no. We've talked a lot about how the what we read the most into during preseason already kind of confirms with what we thought about our team. Have you changed your mind about anything based on training camp and preseason? No. I don't think so. I, I was trying to think kind of like, you know, really There's young search guys. And- There's young guys I like more than I did Three weeks ago, yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'd say, I'd say more than anything, it's guys like you know. I I saw enough in Penticton that I now have a view that I've probably been underrating the upside of a Danila Klimovich. You know, I, I think there's a level of potential there that's probably higher than I'd reckoned with pr- prior to uh, watching him at camp and and watching him in Penticton. Uh, just in terms of the playmaking, in terms of seeing what it looks like when he's supporting the puck along the wall. Um, you know, I, there's still, I still have so many concerns, but you know, I, I at least can see the project now. So that would be like one of them, you know, Neil Zaman, I didn't have a lot of familiarity with, but he's impressed me a lot. Yeah. It's, I would say- it's, it's really young guys that have, that can change my mind. Like pros, like the guys who've been around the guys who have got 5,000 minutes worth of data and live viewings of over the past four years. You're not going to change your mind in preseason. I, I kind of yeah. know who they are. For, and even if they're playing badly, I don't take it seriously. Like, Neil Zaman is the name that jumps to mind for me, but it's not as if I thought he was bad. I was, like, agnostic. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm waiting to have an opinion. And I, I probably wasn't expecting to see as much as I have from him, but it's not... I don't. I think, I think that's a different category than changing your mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I didn't know much. Now I've got a little bit more information, and I like what I see. I knew he was going to be fast, and I knew he was going to be big, and I knew he was not going to have a ton of puck skill. But I think the defensive awareness that he has, like the, the pro-ready polish... From a, from an away from the puck hockey IQ perspective, uh, is sort of what stood out to me and made me think, oh boy, this guy's going to play NHL games, right? Like, not not hugely impactful NHL games necessarily. I'm just saying from a from a, is this guy a safe bet to play 100 NHL games over the next four years? Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, guys that big who skate that well and think the game defensively that well, they get a long look for for obvious reasons. Uh, that's going to do it for Canucks Talk. Just the hour today. Up next, some baseball talk. It's Jays Mariners coming up in just over an hour on TV here on 650. You'll hear the game as well. We'll get you set up. Blake Murphy from the Fan 590 in Toronto joins us next to talk a little ball. Uh, it is the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.